0: Good afternoon everyone. As always, I'm your host Gene Towsk. I'd like to welcome you to my Fraud and White Collar Crime podcast. We'll be getting to the main body in just a minute. Just a few things before we get started. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to my podcast throughout 2023. Uh, I'm very proud to report my podcast has been now listed on one of the, the top 20 fraud podcasts on Feedspot. Thank you very much for that. Task Law Firm, I'd like to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and a great New Year. This is my last podcast for the year. Um, It's been very busy. I am proud to report that I won a federal uh, criminal trial, and uh, that, that doesn't happen very often, so that's one of the reasons I haven't had a chance to attend to my podcast, but I do appreciate all my listeners. Thank you very much. I hope everybody has a great 2024, and I look forward to more podcasting. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. As always, I'm your host, Gene Tausk. I'd like to welcome you to my White Collar Crime and Fraud podcast. The next two podcasts are a special treat for me. This is our first interview with a guest. And I'd like everybody to meet Mr. Alan Cerny. Alan, say hi to everybody.
1: How's everybody doing out there? All right. Glad
0: to be here. Uh, The next two episodes are a treat for me because we're going to be talking about fraud and white collar crime in the movies. And I could think of nobody better to share this with and my friend Alan. Let me tell you a little bit about Alan. I've known Alan not um, decades you now, haven't I? More than that. More than that. Alan. <laughs>
1: about More than 20 years, yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> but Alan, aside from other things, is a very well-known movie critic. Uh, for example, if you ever watch, if you get a copy of uh, Captain America Civil War, that's his quote on the CD, or see that tells where I'm coming from, DVD, Blu-ray label um alan has been a movie reviewer for several websites he started off with <coughs> a certain website he's on another one now yeah um his he people read him worldwide um i think he's an outstanding writer i love to read his movie reviews
1: thank you man appreciate that
0: and um you know it's not just me saying this other people think alan is a great writer as well um yeah, there was some jerk who actually wrote alan a letter he thinks he's a movie director right writes alan a letter saying you know i think you're a good writer it's what it's Stephen's steven's so something
1: Spielberg. Oh, okay. there we go. Steven Rhymes, yeah. Spielberg. Okay, Rhymes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> no, seriously. Yes. Alan got a letter from Steven Spielberg, congratulating him on his writing. So, how many of us can say that, right? Um,
1: One, Alan, my, my proudest, uh, my proudest thing I I think
0: for those <laughs> listening to this podcast five thousand years from now, Alan is going to be buried with that. So, mm-hmm. if you can find his grave and look it up, you'll find a letter from Steven Spielberg there. You yeah, sure will. Okay. Anyway, um, this podcast as we're next two podcasts as I said, is devoted to fraud and white-collar crime in the movies, and here's what's going to happen. Um, Alan's going to be talking most of this, and we're going to have a countdown. I set out, asked for Alan to, to grab 10 movies. He said he grabbed about 15, so we'll see how this goes. But we're going to start with number 10. I'm going to assume if there's more out there, we'll go into the negatives after that. Yeah. And um, I'm gonna, Alan, Alan's going to release this as we go on, but... Um, I know Alan's choices are good. I, just as an aside here, first of all, I love the movies anyway. I've always been a big movie buff all my life. Not as much as Alan, but I still love movies. And second, I think Fraud and White Collar Crime has a real presence on the movie screen. I think you can make some outstanding films with those themes, and um, certainly it's, I, mean, I don't know if you selected this film, I don't wanna know about it if you have until we get to it, but certainly one of my favorite films of this genre is Margin Call. Okay. The film that was released in 2007 with Jeremy Irons and um
1: Zachary uh, Quinto
0: yeah Zachary Quinto and uh, Paul Bettany just a superb film and uh one of the ways that film worked was just that just sucked me into it aside from the fact that I have an obvious affinity for the subject matter is just it's like peeling an onion you get to um the the heart of the it's a it's a statement on the mortgage crisis of uh, 2007 2006 but I just thought it was extremely well done. And it gives the actors, a a movie like that with fraud and white collar crime elements, gives the actors a chance to, let me put it this way. I mean, I have nothing against mobster movies. I love mobster movies, Godfather one and two, not three, Godfather one and (laughs) two, I think are just fantastic movies. But there's a certain element with white collar crime that the danger and the suspense comes across more in the sense that people are using their brains. You know, Violence is not really, it may be implied, but it's not overt.
1: I'd also say that in white-collar crime movies, you feel the stakes a little more when they get caught. Exactly, way, It's exactly. like, well, you got bad guys that are the mafia or whatever, when they get caught, well, that's predictable. Right. When somebody is the goes from 9 to 5 every day, is committing a white-collar crime, and they're in danger of getting caught, you know the stakes behind it, because all this thing they built up is about to be destroyed by exactly own right. screw-ups, right?
0: Exactly right. By the way, just a few things. Um, to bribe Alan to come here i got him a good lunch <laughs> i think it's what mcdonald's or Wendy's. so if you hear us eating in the background that's the reason why <laughs> okay. um also um the uh as i said this is a two-part episode and so um we'll, the first part will be here before in 2023 and the second part will be the first podcast in 2024 so i once again i want to thank you very much for being here no problem so without any ado <laughs>
1: Number 10. So I'm, I'm doing a list. This is not a quality. Uh, this is just a, a list i thrown out. But since we've talked about Spielberg, let's throw a Spielberg movie out there. And let's talk about Catch Me If You Can. Oh, I love that movie. That was such a great movie. Yeah. And it's a great movie. The funny thing about it is that even the, the story behind the movie is fascinating because Frank Abagnale... Yeah, a real character. Yeah, he... The stuff that they talk about in the movie actually probably maybe not didn't happen, you know? So, I mean, the story is great, uh, but... It might all be can I cuss? It might all be bullshit. So, and believe me. I'm <laughs> awful. Let me bring this out there.
0: Yes, there might be profanity in this podcast. Okay, so yeah, feel free. I mean, but, you can't talk about certain movies without cursing. So go ahead.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's it's a great uh, movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio playing Fred Gabicknail, who is a young man who, after his parents split up, kind of loses it, heads on the road, and starts writing bad checks all over the place. And in writing bad checks, he becomes kind of an expert at it. He becomes. Really well thought about. I mean, he actually does his homework. He goes to different banks. He'll, he'll ask, well, when I write a check here, how long does it take to hit the, the other side of the country, blah, blah, And he lays it all out. It's really well thought out. And when you see that on the screen in, in, the, in the conversations he has with people, you, part of you is like going, wow, that's horrible. and part of you is going, damn it, why didn't I do that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, know, uh, you, know.
0: you know, and one thing I really liked about that movie um, really caught my eye was you know I, I, Leonardo DiCaprio surprised me you know I, I never thought he'd be such a good actor but he's turned out to be a great actor mm-hmm. and I love you mentioned it yourself Alan you know when his parents get a divorce how the character changes and um, I think Christopher Walken plays his dad right yeah he's great he's he's another one is great yeah but you know the idea that, that walking is imparting even unconsciously on his son like you got to succeed you got to do well mm-hmm. and um, you know i think uh, frank adnalls is just using his talents to the yeah. best of his yeah. ability yeah
1: yeah i mean he's he's not he's not a dumb guy he's pretty smart i mean he does i think he does a lot of the stuff that he does because he loves his father as much as he does but also uh, he he's quick on his feet he's he's intelligent he, he, he builds empathy with people Really quickly, which is a skill, and some people don't have that skill. But he can walk into a room and look somebody in the eye and have a conversation with them, and then they're spilling all their guts out, basically. They're spilling their secrets, and and that's that's a real skill to have. And he just misapplied it. It's interesting how I mean I don't know how true this is because later on it's revealed that some people said in the FBI he actually didn't do shit when he worked there. Uh, (laughs) You know, but he got enough stuff to make a book, and then he wrote the novel, and then a lot of it you know even even on this level it's still it's still fake right so it's kind of funny but i mean as a movie
0: it's great but um well you pointed out something interesting alan which i have talked about a lot in my podcast you know fraudsters white-collar criminals have that ability to read people mm-hmm. and it may not be an innate ability it's something they've learned over time but it's an important skill that white-collar criminals have which enables them to get away with a lot mm-hmm. and um although we feel certainly i feel sympathy for frank um, you know, you, you see that at play there. I, I remember, that movie had a great line in it after he is uh, able to seduce his stewardess. Yeah, in that was the best date I ever had in my life.
1: <laughs> <I love laughs> and that. he and he gives her a bad check. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> so yeah, that's like, that's like pretty, pretty. Break. That is one of uh, Spielberg's kind of, um, it's, it, you know, he's the great, one of the greatest directors that ever lived, Absolutely. obviously. And But it, even, even now, when you talk about his movies, it's like, catch me if you can for spielberg is like a middle movie right. for any other director it's like the exactly. best movie they ever made so it's it's if you've never seen it highly recommend uh, recommended a highly recommend great film yeah and alan's
0: right it does you know it's sort of a you know a serial comic take on white collar crime in the sense that you know we we frank abagnale as alan says literally is running throughout the movie but um you know y- y- you see the mind of a fraudster work there too especially the attention to detail that Frank has. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I wholeheartedly recommend it. That was number 10. So, number
1: Okay, uh, let's do a little deeper cut. You know, this isn't exactly white-collar crime, but if you look at, if you pay attention to what they're talking about in the movie, it is kind of fraud, and that's uh, a movie that... Uh, I, I love, I, I watch it over and over just to hear the cadence of the dialogue, and that's Glengarry Glen oh,
0: Ross. Oh, fantastic! That is such a great movie. Absolutely, 100% agree. I love that movie.
1: Yeah, Glengarry Glenn Ross, if you haven't seen it, is about a bunch of um, real estate guys who are, you know, on the on the hook to sell property. Whether or not the property's any good, we don't really know. We kind of think it, it might not be. Uh, but it, that's not the point. The point is how they can get people to basically sign on the line that is dotted... and 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 sign their life away and there's a break-in in in the office there's conflict between the uh the broker the real estate brokers there it's got a hugely stacked cast um with al pacino ed harris kevin spacey before all the stuff but he's really great in it um uh alan arkin jack lemon jack oh yeah can't get jack lemon jack lemon's character breaks your heart and um is it white collar fraud? Go, well, yeah, really. well, of course it, it is. Absolutely, it, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, because they're they're they're, they're selling uh, they're selling crappy property to mom and pa kettle, uh, and uh, uh, those people that the, have no idea, or at least trying to. Some some of the people in the film that they're trying to sell are pretty savvy about what they're talking about, but for the most part, they they are having conversations with people who don't know, and uh, it's it you feel sympathy for them because while you know it's a the, their job is obviously fraudulent. Uh, they are they. Everybody has issues and problems. Uh, Jack Lemmon's character's daughter's in the hospital, and he can't really afford to pay for the hospital care. Um, you have slicker people like Al Pacino's character. <sighs> Wonderful who, performance. He's not so much selling property as he's seducing the person. Exactly. He's talking to, exactly. Right? That that is one of Al Pacino's best performances, and I'm including The Godfather in this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's you know, amazing. It's and then you have uh, Kevin Spacey, who's just the office manager, He's kind of a lackey. Uh, they don't respect him and probably shouldn't respect him because he's just a pencil pusher uh, then you have people who've been in the business so long that they've they've lost their edge like Alan Arkin's character or Ed Harris's character who, uh, who really and Ed Harris's character is like the guy who like two months before he was probably popping it and then at the setting of the movie it's like it, it's that just that fast and how they, the, the, the mighty fall and it's such a great cast and such a every kinetic energy written by the great David Mamet yeah, absolutely yeah. and um he you know, didn't direct it, but he did write it, and it's one of those scripts that uh, it's one of them, it's based on a play. Actually, I've always wanted to see that play done by women. I think it would be fascinating. You know that's a fantastic idea. You know. All right, that's your next assignment, Alan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, a fantastic it, idea. You know, and Alec Baldwin has a scene where he just oh, kind uh, of punches that's the, that's it.
0: That's one of the best scenes of any movie I've ever seen. And you yeah. know, this may sound strange, Alan, but sometimes when I'm feeling less than motivated, I play that speech. You know, because <laughs> it's like.
1: You, and it's mean. It's it, it, oh, it's, it's, you know, some, it's, some, some, it's, some people need that meanness, need, they need the kick. You know, some you can be told, and I feel the same way. You can be told all day, hey, man, you're doing great, you're doing great work. That do not help you. It's like you're just not making it. You know, and you know? I, I,
0: I actually read this article, I can, I'll i see if I can find it and send it to you. It's um, about how that speech is actually a, a great speech, and in the, in the, 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 I can't remember. Can't remember that author, but anyway, the author is, has this idea where let's say you're lying on the side of the road, you need a doctor, and somebody comes up to you and says, You know, you're doing great, you're doing great. Like, you're not doing great, you need a doctor. And that's when you need someone like Alec Baldwin to get in there and get you off your ass. You get a doctor to get in there, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's
0: it, if you haven't seen it, I, it, you know, and another thing, Alan, it that movie works as a radio play, you mm-hmm. don't even have to watch it,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, visually, it's 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 just interesting because you're watching some really great performances, but exactly. Like I said, i put that on just to listen to the rhythm of the dialogue. Absolutely. It's, it's really great.
0: And another, um, I know we got to get to the next film, but another, I just want to mention this, you know, Alec Baldwin's speech, but, you know, Al Pacino's speech to Kevin Spacey when Kevin Spacey does that screw-up. Oh, God. You know, it's oh, such a take I know. In. It is. It is oh. not
1: just sticking the knife in the stomach. It's... Twisting yes. the knife yes. and laughing and yes. making your kids watch.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> no. it's, oh, it's so mean. I'm gonna go watch it again. Yeah, that that <laughs> that, that speech. Those two speeches by Alec. I'm. Mean, first of all, watch the whole movie, mm-hmm. but pay special attention to the speech by Alec Baldwin and uh, Al Pacino's speech to Kevin Spacey. And you, you'll know when that speech happens because yeah, it's very, very clear. <laughs> know it. that's true. Yeah. If you ever, I mean, if you ever want to. Yeah, I, my goal someday is to insult somebody the way Alan, Alec Baldwin, uh, not Alec Bald, I'm sorry, Al Pacino insults Kevin Spacey. He,
1: he drops a word that I won't say, no. but the way he drops it is, whew. oh yeah, it yeah. is, oh man, yeah. i got to see
0: that again. That is, that is. oh, what a great, great movie. Great and, sorry, i got to get into the white-collar crime and fraud here. One of the things that makes it so fascinating from the aspect of white-collar criminals is something Alan said just a minute ago. Al Pacino's character... A, once again, I don't know if they're supposed to be criminals or if they know what they're doing, but Al Pacino has that the ultimate white collar edge, and that Alan is right. He seduces people. He's not just selling the land, you know. He and I think David Mamet said this too. He he got the idea after watching salespeople work, and he said really good salespeople could sell you cancer. Yeah, and that you know Al Pacino could sell somebody cancer. Mm-hmm. Just great. Anyway, fantastic choice, Alan. Okay, next
1: one. Um, You know, let's change it up a little bit, and let's go for a movie that you could probably talk better about than I can. Uh, And it's a con man movie in a way, but it's also kind of epic in scale, and that's The Man Who Would Be King. Um, Alan, you're going to kill me, but I've actually never seen it. Really? I know. You will love that. That is, for one thing, it's written by John Milius, dude. Yeah, Look, yeah. I'm, not saying I, I'm not saying I'm happy I haven't, I haven't seen it. I agree. No, 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 no. I love it when people haven't seen certain movies because then the opportunity to see it for the first time is wonderful. Um, I don't want you to tell them about the plot. And that's so with Michael Caine and Sean Michael Connery... It's Michael Caine and Sean Connery, and they're basically gr- con men and grifters who basically grift the idea that one of them is royalty uh, in this, uh, I think it's this African country. And... Um, or it's or, or sort a of royalty in the Middle Eastern country just, or I've like never it. it's seen it. been a few years since I've seen it but I just remember the grift that they were it's one thing it, Michael Caine and Sean Connery in a movie together uh, is a must it's always worth saying yeah so uh, but it never seen it I won't talk too long about this one because I don't want to spoil it no go, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, we're not gonna spoil it. I mean,
0: you write spoiler-free reviews, so you know how to talk about a movie. Go ahead.
1: Well, it's been a few years since I've seen it, so so a lot of it's not fresh in my brain. But I do remember the camaraderie between Michael Caine's character and Sean Connery's character, and the the kind of con that they pull over this uh, kingdom that they do, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's one of those films that uh, I'm really honestly shocked you hadn't seen. You you love I know it. it? I know. I know. I'm it's not I mean yeah. I'm just saying it's one of those movies that you'll pop in and you'll go. I'm going straight to Amazon. Well, I'm I'm by like, I am going to go straight to Amazon. I get it now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, but, it, it's, it's totally evil. I know my, my dad saw it, um, and he was telling
0: me about it. And You know, that's when I was a teenager. I'm like, Alan, by the way, is wearing Return of the Jedi cap. <laughs> basically,
1: during that time, if it wasn't Star Wars, I wasn't interested. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's a great film, and you should, if, if you've never seen it, I, don't, I really don't want to get into it too, too much because it's been a few years since I've seen it, but I, it's one of the ones that kind of popped into my head. Uh, and uh, you will totally love it
0: and by the way once again the white collar crime aspect um for those i talked about this briefly on one of my podcasts inventing on anna um she's the person who pretended she was basically a lot wealthier than she actually was um alan's comments about the man who would be king remind me of that yeah where um and, and by the way it's not a, it's not unheard of where somebody pretends they're acting their royalty and they actually get away with it
1: yeah yeah so, yeah,
0: yeah yeah i'm not sure if it's we're talking about Alan's fiction or history but anyway okay next one okay
1: uh, this is a movie that you, uh, that I, I really love. It stars John Cusack and it's called The Grifters. Oh, oh I mean, no, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's um, about con men. Do uh, you think? Yeah, and also <laughs> uh, Angelica Houston uh, is in it as well as, gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh, she's Warren Beatty's wife. Um, oh, um, Annette yeah, Benning. Yeah, Benning yeah. Mm-hmm. Annette Benning, Annette and, Benning and John Cusack have a. A relationship and she kind of grips him he grips her and, and angelic easton grips them both and it's this three-way kind of th- weird not that way but it's, a, <laughs> but it's a, this kind of three-way grifting thing going on and it's got an ending to it i will not spoil it but it's a gut punch of an ending um can you explain a little more about the film just like i said
0: i haven't seen it so you're...
1: so the grifters is these small time guys who uh uh mostly card shark stuff and um they, they, they're doing these small time cons and then he gets an opportunity to see that he could take down a whale and so he, he has this relationship with a Ned Bennings character who um, when you say he, you mean John Cusack yeah John Cusack had a relationship with the Bennings character where they try to bring down this this kind of this bigger con here and Angelica Houston kind of swoops in Angelica Houston uh is in the film plays someone who had a previous relationship with John Cusack's character but there's something really weird about that, and when you when I, and I can't spoil it, but when you get to the kicker at the end, where she reveals who she really is, it's rough, and it's got a, kind of a completely bleak and dark ending. Um, mm-hmm. Directed by Stephen Frears, uh, and it's one of those scripts that kind of pops. There are a few movies back in the '90s that I like to put on, like Glenn Gary is one of them. Uh, this one is one of them. I just like to hear it, you know. In the is it like Glenn
0: Gary Glass? That it works like a radio play if you want
1: it can uh glengarry but, but glengarry green loss probably works better than that uh, mm-hmm. as a play I, I it's not on my list but a movie that i thought about putting on here was miller's crossing but I didn't no. <laughs> oh, gangster. that's such a great movie Didn't want to go gangster okay. because because yeah, uh, i appreciate that but a gangster uh miller's crossing is is another one of those movies that i like to listen for the dialogue so yeah so mm-hmm. uh the grifters check it out it's really it's one of cusack's best performances and uh uh, it's and it's kind of hot season because he made that and he made say anything and then uh, a couple years later he made um, uh, the record movie. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't remember. I know what you're talking it, about. I, I, you're I, getting I, old, man. I know it, man. These titles are not coming up. That's how I had to write a list down. And and I'm gonna write have one, to one down, down. So it's gonna bother me to remember that name, but I probably remember it at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's gonna bother me. All I can see is a, um, all I can see is a record and Jack Black is it. Y'all know it.
0: You'll be fine. So that I mean, obviously. Um, the term grifter itself implies somebody who's a, who's a con man so mm-hmm. obviously the title sort of gives it away but yeah I'll definitely look that up that was um, I like Annette bidding a lot and certainly think John Cusack a good actor and if the script is as good as you say it is yeah, yes so it's, it's
1: punchy and, and, and a lot of fun
0: well let me ask you this just real quick about that movie reserve we're talking about four so far what is let me ask you Alan as a movie critic what is it that I'm just keep in mind just keeping it to the white collar and uh fraud genre, what is it about a white-collar movie or fraud movie that you think, <clears throat> I mean, I've given my opinion, what makes it stand out in the cinematic genre, you know?
1: Um, well, I think we covered it a little bit. When we, we talk about gangster movie, and, you know, gangster movies have shootouts, and and you're you know, watching wise guys talk, and it's bravado. Um, these guys pump themselves up, uh, and they have, I mean, and, and that can be very cinematic, obviously. Goodfellas, Right. Uh, no, or a right. or, or Godfather, you know that can be very cinematic. But white collar crime stories are a little different in that we are looking at people who desperately don't want attention to be paid to themselves, except in the moment where they can. That is an excellent point. You know they are they the, and and there's there's conflict and drama in that, it's especially like when you watch a show like um, it wasn't a white collar crime, but if you call Breaking Bad, you know uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's you know he kind of made it a white collar crime in the way that he yeah. he kind of turn it basically into he wasn't making meth he was making coca-cola you know and, <laughs> and
0: uh, um uh i just remember that one line what is why why do you keep because i'm good at it
1: yeah it's something i'm good at yeah yeah exactly you know and um people they the, you know you get the you get people in white collar crime films who, who are weirdly proud of what they're doing because they're so successful well, i think
0: it. you said something which is very important now which is and i I'm not an actor, of course, although most trial lords are failed actors. But <laughs> you know, I, I wonder if it's how you have to be. Once again, going back to Gunn, Gary, gillen and Ross, because the performances are just so outstanding. But just being someone who at the same doesn't want to sh- stand out, but at the same time has to stand out. Mm-hmm. You know, to get that point across and, in a uh, moment. Right? In a moment, yeah. yeah. In a moment. And so
1: uh, it's it's it, it, you know the boring stuff of white collar crime is. Going through books, right. looking for numbers, looking for data, anything to exploit. But the, the probably the fun part of like white, white collar crime is actually dealing with people and getting stuff out of them they wouldn't ordinarily give you. Right. And uh, that and those are really fun things that happen in movies. And cinematically, those are always fun to watch because Agreed. you're always kind of kind of rooting for them. I exactly. Mean, exactly. In the real exactly. world, don't <laughs> want to root for these people, obviously. But movies. It's like movie violence isn't violence, right? There's a poetry to movie violence. Exactly. It's done right. If it's and never. There's, and if there's a poetry to, you know, watching people. It's a very it's good done. way of putting it, yeah, it's, you know, it's, so. um, yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Anyway, next one. Um, you know, I, this is where we're kind of... Uh, you know, kind of playing with the idea of what white-collar crime it's is. your show, Alan, so... So, um, well, let's talk about one that's really obviously white-collar crime, and that's Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yes, yeah, so, yes, so, yes, yes. So, Wolf of Wall Street, one. I, of all the Scorsese movies I've seen over the past few years, and they're, a lot of them are a lot of fun, and a lot of them are dead mm-hmm. serious, right? Wolf of Wall Street is like a comedy. Yes, it's like a uh, joyful to watch, you I know. I mean, these people are terrible and you're enjoying watching how terrible. They exactly. Are. You know, and uh, and uh, like the scene where uh where the character drops more yeah. than he can handle. <laughs> I love that. And, and he's so trying great. to get to his car. <laughs> I saw that when I saw Wolf of Wall Street for the first time. I saw that in the theater with a room of movie geeks. It was at a, a movie festival thing. And um, just literally listening the audience just lose it. The funny thing about that movie is Jordan Belford is such a crappy dude, okay? I, and he's proud of this movie in a weird way. But the, the funny thing about it is that Scorsese and DiCaprio know what a shit deal this guy is. And they don't play him nice at all. They play him so funny and incompetent. And, and, and but he's not because the people that he's grifting are just as... you know, it's, it's the, the He's not capturing money from individuals, although he is. He's like grifting the system. Exactly. You know. Um, oh, by the way, could you give a quick summary of the movies if people so, haven't seen them? So Wolf of Wall Street is about uh, it's a, it's a, it's a based on a real real guy I wrote a book about it uh, named Jordan Belfort who um, sold stocks. And he went into the business kind of dew eyed and, and, and optimistic. And then he kind of gets that broken in the first day when when uh, there's a really wonderful scene with him and Matthew McConaughey, where Matthew McConaughey says, all you're here to do is to make money for yourself. And who cares about it if the other guy makes money off of you or whatever, and, and kind of breaks it down. And, and then he ends up losing his job after a Wall Street crash in the 80s, uh, starts to sell penny stocks, which you get 50% on the dollar if you sell a lot of those. And what he'll end up doing is he builds his own company. He'll sell all these crappy penny stocks to people. Wow kind of couching them with the legit stocks like Disney and Apple and things like that. And so he's in, he's in boosting these stock prices uh, of this really crappy stuff uh, while uh, uh, sort of kind of doing legitimate business. Obviously, you're not supposed to do that. There's a lot of insider trading that's going on in the film. Uh, and he assembles this crew of nitwits with him, you know, and... Um, that's putting it mildly. Yeah, and he ends up marrying what they called her, the the Bay Duchess or whatever, yeah, exactly. uh, Margot Robbie. Margot, Stark, yeah. And um, it's 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 very fun to watch. It practically plays like a comedy. It does, it does. And at the same time, you're watching it, and it's like Scorsese's giving you these. This is a warning. Yeah, this exactly. is a warning. These people are everywhere. Right. And uh, and they're gonna they're gonna control everything if we don't watch it. They're gonna wreck the world, and it plays like a warning, but it also plays like a comedy. Right you know, thing at the end of the film, where Belfort's been he's been through the ringer. He's he's lost his broker's job. He's lost his company. He's basically shilling on the uh, on the. Um, not stand-up circuit, but on the, a talk circuit. Right, a talk circuit. Which is interesting because my podcast partner for my show, Matinee Heroes, has met Jordan Belfort. Oh, really? Well, yeah, because okay. uh, they ran in the same circles because like, he would do conferences and things like oh, that's that. That's interesting. I like and, to hear about this someday. And he, uh, he's just as bad. <laughs> so apparently he's a, he's a terrible guy all around anyway. So, um, uh, yeah, so at the end, you just see this. There's a really great job at the end of the movie where there's this kind of through line where uh, Belfort's telling, sell me this pen, sell me this pen. Yeah. And everybody tries to do a shot of selling the pen. They don't get the point that you have to create the need for the pen exactly. to sell it, right? And then um, the, the way everybody's looking at him as every word drops from Belfort's mouth, it's like worship, right? And they're worshiping the money. And, exactly. And, and it's it's you could see in that crowd that there's not a one of them that wouldn't sell their grandmother to get ahead. And and it's it's like this guy's creating more Jordan Belforts at the end of the movie. Uh, it's a fantastic film. One of Scorsese's best, Absolutely. and that's saying something. And
0: uh, you know, one of the high points of the movie for me was um, uh, so, there's a scene in there where they get some sneaker where they're supposed to. Oh, and I'm sorry, I'm talking about the wrong scene. There's a, I'm, I think this is when um, the FBI. He's, yeah is getting on Belford and he's about ready to give up his company and then suddenly you know during this company meeting he changes his mind yeah. and suddenly starts you know saying you know what a you know, basically saying, what a great guy I and mean, he talks to that one one he said remember when you're starving and your kids didn't have a place to sleep who gave you a job you did Jordan you know and what have you done for me since you you respected me Jordan and have you made money I've made money Jordan it's all because of you you know and it's I, I just love that interplay between, and once again, I think DiCaprio is a great actor between, you know, Jordan and, I can't remember that character's name, the woman's name, but just, you know, almost it makes it seem like Jordan is this hero yeah. who's doing this. And in a way he is because, yes, yeah, so that character maybe didn't have a job or maybe had little prospects, but, you
1: know, he's doing it so he can make money. He's not doing that of the goodness of his heart. No, no, not at all. And, you know, and... and, and he's not exactly telling these people, hey, what you're doing might be illegal. So yeah, exactly. you know, it's like, uh, yeah, but, but you don't have to worry about it because if you don't know it's illegal, then you don't have to, you're not going to be punished for it or whatever, right? And uh, that, that is such a great movie. God, yeah, yeah I got to see that again.
0: Yeah. Well, I was sit we're on number... F- on number five but since alan has more than five we're going to move to number six here so all right number four because we're going to be going beyond ten
1: okay i gotta go with the classic on this one and
0: uh i'm gonna go with the sting oh what a great right. i hope you would put that on there yeah i yeah. love that movie it is yeah.
1: such a great movie such Full a great, great movie great performances with robert, robert paul newman robert shaw and the the way they pulled the, it the pull over robert shaw's ear, uh, eyes in that movie is just phenomenal and fantastic If you like movies about con men and, and and if you like movies about putting one over on really crappy people, uh this thing is definitely uh, And, really and Once again, why don't you give it a summary of the movie? It's been a few years since I've <laughs> seen this one too. So uh, but uh, it, you know Robert Redford is kind of a card shark and uh, Paul Newman is, is kind of a he he's more of a grifter with people and uh, there's this kind of mob boss, uh, crime boss, played by Robert Shaw. Played by Robert Shaw, who basically tells them you're going to get out of our, you're not going to be around yeah. us anymore. Uh, if I catch you, you know, doing stuff that you're not supposed to be doing, I'm going to get you killed. So they decide, and they they figure out that he's got a lot of money. He's worth a lot of money, and they can figure out how to. How, they figure out his weakness. I think it was just gambling, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, so we can we can get this guy. We can play him, and we can we can totally pull all the money out of him. And so they, they do. And it's this kind of the wonderful way about... It. This is this is one of those movies about getting the band back together. It's kind of like the school movie, right? That's a great We're, way of putting it. You know, and they get all these people together to, to pull the wool over this guy's eyes and, and make him think that he's about to get into the score of a lifetime. And at the end of the day, they don't. <laughs> they do not. I mean, they do, but, but Robert Shaw, Robert does Shaw it, doesn't. Right? It. And uh, it's classic. It's one of those films of the 70s when you talk about the 70s uh that people like okay yeah this is this is this is a great film and um uh i need to revisit it myself but i could not not in good no, conscience talk great. about white collar crime and not talk about this you know thing. there's a
0: couple there's two scenes in there really struck stuck with me first of all something didn't mention there as well um the film is an amazing soundtrack it's actually songs by um oh you've heard them too you know yeah. they're,
1: they've entered into the vernacular right, right um, but alexander's ragtime but not the entertainer scott joplin there we go They entertain, yeah. But,
0: um, you know, the soundtrack is actually from these old Tin Pan Alley tunes. And uh, they do, it's just really wonderful. But anyway, there's two scenes in there which just really um, have always stuck with me. The first is, and and by the way, um, the the movie takes place during the Depression, right? And that plays a big role in the movie itself. But um, there's one of the, Paul Newman's character and... uh, um, this is soon after Robert Redford's character starts to work with Paul Newman. And you remember that scene where, you know, they're on that train going, mm-hmm. and there's a big poker match on the train that Robert Shaw always plays, yeah. plays in. And, you know, it, you know, it's implied that he's going to win because he cheats. And the other, there's other high rollers there, but they're like, yeah, we're, we'll just play the game. But Paul Newman's character, he wants to, not giving away too much, but there's a scheme set up where Robert Redford's character will steal, or one of Paul Newman's henchmen will steal Robert Shaw's wallet. And um, they're playing poker, you know, and, and this is a book. One thing I loved about the movie is, you know, basically when you think about it, gangsters are thugs, you know. I mean, <laughs> you don't want to cross them, you're going to end up somewhere in a ditch. Yeah. But they like to put forth this, you know, veneer that they're so sophisticated. And Paul Newman's character takes advantage of that in this in this train where the poker game is going on. And he buys his way into the poker game because nobody knows who he is. He just holds himself out as this big time bookie from Chicago. And you know the, the the three or four I think maybe four gentlemen are playing there. You know with the ties and everything. Paul Newman's character comes in drunk off his ass. Yeah. I mean it, it's a it's fake, but he pretends like he's drunk off his ass. Doesn't wear a tie. Yeah. You know and uh, Paul uh, Robert Shaw's henchmen are in the room with him as well. You know basically just keep an eye on things. And you know Rob Paul Robert Shaw's like. Excuse me, sir. In this game, we wear ties. If you don't have one, we can get one for you. Then, oh, that's real nice of you. You know, it's all a set. <laughs> yeah, up yeah where, that's great. This a great yeah. scene. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the second scene that really gets me is um, where, uh, oh, oh, it's it's soon after the poker game where, long story short, Paul, Robert Shaw's character's lost all that money to Paul Newman. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he sends Robert, he doesn't have the money on him. That's another story in itself. So he sends Robert, Paul Newman sends Robert Redford's character to go collect the money. Robert Shaw looks at him and says, your boss is quite the card player. How does he do it? He cheats.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Flat out me. It's
0: a great line. But anyway, I, I completely agree with Alan. It's such a great movie. And, you know, really, I, I never saw I mean, I was way too young to see it when it came out. It wasn't until the late 80s when I actually saw it. And um, it was, a, I think it was the first movie I ever saw, Alan, there, I was just really, really the characters themselves, the the Portrayal of the characters by the and great actors, all of them. I mean, there, right. I don't think there's one bad actor or actress in the entire movie.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, oh, and by the way, you know, um, uh, James Earl Jones' father was in there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, he played uh, one of the early characters, um, but early in the movie. But um, it just the important, the performances just impressed the hell out of me, and that I, I felt, you know, it's like you're watching. You're, I just can't describe it enough. It's just the quality of the acting that maybe was so prevalent in the seventies. Um, I mean, we have good actors now, of course. Like we were talking about Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio, kind of but yeah, I just—it was just such an ensemble cast of great people. Yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, we're gonna. This is the end of part one here, so we're gonna be um, ending it here. But I wanted to thank all my listeners for uh, listening to this podcast. Hope everybody has a great 2024. Um, the part two will be pr- uh, played the first part of January. Um, Alan, I wanna thank you very much for being here and being a part of this.
1: My pleasure, it's a lot of fun.
0: Um, you know, it's bringing back some good memories. And yes, I do need to see um, The Man Who Would Be King and The Grifters. You
1: sure do, you would love them.
0: Um, but anyway, these are these are movies that Alan recommends, not only because they involved uh, white collar crime and fraud, but they're also good movies. If, That's Alan, great. Yeah. if Alan recommends them, I highly recommend them myself. And um, I think they're all out on Blu-ray or DVD or yeah. streaming. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. If uh, G hasn't mentioned it, I, I, I'm a physical media nut. I love buying movies. I don't do streaming. So, uh, yeah. I don't think Alan has like, a
0: house so much as just a collection of yeah, DVDs and yeah. Blu-rays uh, you know, and 4Ks.
1: I, I don't know how many I have. i was probably over like 1,200. Yeah. <laughs> i lost yeah. count.
0: But anyway, um, once again, I hope everybody has a great uh, 2024. And um, I'll see you next month for part two. Okay. All right. Let's wind this down. Let's. Let me um, put this on my computer sure. and I'll be back. Can I
1: get another Of course. Thank you, appreciate it. Uh, that was
0: That was okay. a lot of fun.
1: Mhm. I got some more though. No, I know. <laughs>